4.06, welcome back. Hour number three of our Preakness show here on WGR. I'm Brian Colesiel. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having a great Saturday. We're inside 34 Rush at Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. PGA Championship talk coming up here in just one moment. The uh, PGA Pro from our Tita Green show, which I'm a part of, excited to be a part of every week. Jeff Mead is going to join us uh, in just a moment here on the Western Hotline. Also, then we've got Don Hoover, the uh, general manager of live racing at 4.30. And then Ryan will come back. Ryan has an hour from Batavia Downs Gaming with his picks coming up in just a few moments here as uh, we get you set for the Preakness, which is coming your way just after 7 o'clock. If you want to watch it, it's on NBC. All right, let's bring in our next guest here on the Western Hotline. That is Jeff Metis, the PGA Pro. And, of course, you can hear him every Saturday with me and Kevin Sylvester on Tee to Green. We had some discussions this morning from Niagara Frontier Golf Club, and now uh, Jeff kind enough to uh, come back here and let us know what's uh, going on early on here as the leaders are off in round three of the PGA Championship. Jeff, good afternoon. Thanks for coming back on with us today. Good afternoon. Good to talk to you again. And I had all these plans to do stuff today, but I sat down and started watching golf. Thank you very much. I hope I didn't yeah. derail you from uh, from getting like yard work done or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just been so so much fun to watch. To be honest. Yeah. Well, so far here, uh, a shakeup at the top. Zalatoris has come down, and probably the less the least known player of all the players at the top there, Mito Piera, is winning right now. Uh, so, what's going on early, Jeff? What are you seeing here as to why Zalatoris is struggling? Yes, Zalatoris, right off the bat, his putter looks really shaky. Um, as to be expected, sort of, he, that's his, his, uh, that's the thing he fights the most in his game. And they had a slow motion of one of his backswings on a two-footer, and that putter moved in a bunch of different directions. So he's he's not confident with the putter, and and, and I'm afraid to pronounce it Pereira. He's a he's it's a stripe show out there. Uh, he's hitting every shot good. He just made another birdie to get to ten under par in a three-shot lead. But uh, it's been good to watch. Rory's struggling a little. He just made a double bogey on a par three. Um, but there's a long way to go, so a lot of things are going to happen. Yeah, Pierre now up three on Zalatoris. Well, the book on Zalatoris coming in, Jeff, when we were talking about it this morning, is he's one of the best ball strikers, still a very young player. Still, he, This is his first full year on the PGA Tour himself, but he's been really good in majors in terms of being in contention. Uh, but his putting woes, as you've said so far, may be struggling. Um, but for him to be so good so early in majors, for a guy that even last year wasn't full-time status, uh, it's he's having a good start to his career. Yeah, and we talk about his putting, but obviously he's overcome that to get where he is, even in this tournament. Maybe he has a bad hole or two and, and finds a way to get it going, but he is. He's very young. He's very good, a very good ball striker, and and. The, the majors seem to be, like you said, really when he starts to shine. You notice him way more in the on the difficult golf courses and the high pressure events. So maybe there's a little bit more spotlight put on him. But he's uh, he's been he's been striping it. It's, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and of course, there's a lot of big names right there that you mentioned. Uh, McElroy, the first round leader, Justin Thomas, who played very well on day two. Bubba Watson, who's won a major twice, uh, still hanging around. So. Uh, what are you seeing from that guy? Wow, McElroy's fall, fallen all the way back to m- minus two now, so he's eight off the lead. So that story, I guess, let's go to McElroy. That story might be, uh, unfortunately for Rory fans, maybe uh, going away here as early on in round three. Yeah, he's only on. He's only teeing it up on the seventh hole, but he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't been finding the fairways, and he missed left on a par three. It was 
was almost an automatic double from where he missed it. And um, he, he's two over for the day. Uh, the weather is 40 degrees colder than it was a couple days ago. So um, I don't know. His, his uh, driver doesn't seem to be as, uh, as automatic as it was in the first round. And some of these other players are just playing very, very well. Um, fun, fun to watch this kid. I've never known. I didn't know his name until this week. And to get to watch someone like that play who's that good and, uh, and so unknown shows you just the depth of talent throughout this, this tour. Yeah, and and this major has the best field out of any of the fields. The top 100 are uh, are invited to play in this. I know we, you know, the Masters people might say that's their favorite because they know the course so well and the traditions and everything like that. But uh, this field, Jeff, has the deepest field, and uh, you know maybe that's why we're, as you see, you see all these names that do so well every single year in it. But uh, this is the strongest field out of the four majors. Yeah, this is, and these are these are world rankings that they're based on. So a lot of these players aren't playing, uh, you know, exclusively in the United States, and maybe that's why we don't get to see them as much as possible. But to, to see the best players in the world, you know, that's what the PGA is famous for, the strongest, I think it's the top, usually they get 99 or, or unless somebody's hurt out of the top 100 all the time. Um, and if you, win in this, if you win this week at this, at this facility, at this major, Against this field, that's a that's a world world class win for you. Yeah, Piera. By the way, a little more information on him for those wondering about the leader. He's ranked exactly hundredth uh, in the world uh, at the moment. He's he's number one hundred after playing last week in the Byron Nelson event where he finished tied for seventeenth. So that helped springboard him. Uh, to eventually get in the field. Now, he had been ranked 96th and 95th uh, in the weeks previously, so he had, he had just come in out of that top 100 line there but missed the cut at the Players' Championship. But this is really his first full year of playing on the PGA Tour. Last year, he was a Corn Ferry Tour player, and for those that are unfamiliar with that, that's kind of like the the AAA of, uh, of professional golf on the PGA Tour. People playing in that want to get out of the PGA Tour. He's won four events on that tour, and he's a Chilean which is, you know, it's, it's a little unique to have. Now we have two Chileans on the tour. So, uh, but he's a young, unproven player. He's proved himself on the Corn Ferry Tour, but this is his first time in the in the crucible that is the PGA Tour near the lead, and he's doing it in one of the biggest events against the strongest field. So, you know, um, Saturdays are a little easier than waking up Sunday morning with the lead, so we'll see. But if he runs away from it, it, it makes it a lot easier for him to uh, to, to do well tomorrow and, as we speak, I just watched Justin Thomas miss a very short putt, unfortunately. So I'm rooting for him. PGA Pro Jeff Medis from uh, our Saturday morning show. T to Green joining us here to talk about the PGA Championship. All right, so Jeff, you were actually there doing some uh, some work earlier in the week. You were at Southern Hills. Um, what uh, What's that course like and uh, just the venue itself? From I know you were there only a day, but what did you get to see and take in? You know, it, remind, it reminds me of the old Northeastern Parkland courses big trees and the elevation changes. You know, the event at Oak Hill is a very similar next year. The PGA Championship will be in Oak Hill in Rochester. And this is a very similar style course. It seems big and bold and long and and very lots of mature, big, beautiful trees and cricks and water winding through. It's a it's a really, really beautiful facility and it's a it's a certainly a, a major championship championship test of golf. Um but but a cool place to be, cool visually, cool to be on the grounds, and and a lot of fun to be in that atmosphere. Yeah. So next year it's at Oak Hill, 
And uh, I know for you and, and the rest of the uh, PGA pros in Western New York, that's the, the peak, right, to host the biggest championship that the PGA of America runs, which is this event. So that'll be very cool that it's back in Western New York at Oak Hill. Yeah, and we've managed this event before. As the host section for the championship, we have responsibilities at the event to manage certain functions, scoring, range, starting, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's nothing but fun, and, um, and you, get to, you get to be right on the, you know, sit behind six feet behind Tiger Woods and watch him rip drivers for half an hour is kind of a fun thing to do. And uh, to meet and see the best instructors in the world teach these players uh, is also good. And just the excitement, the buzz that surrounds an event like this, it makes it so much fun to be around. And uh, and, and we're proud. Oak Hill's the, one of the only facilities in the world that's hosted every men's major there is, including the, uh, the Ryder Cup. So we're proud to have it in our area and looking forward to next year. And, uh, Looking forward to watching the rest of this event because this is this is going to be pretty exciting, I have a feeling. You mentioned Tiger. His day is done. A 9 over 79, the worst of his three rounds. He's tied for 75th right now. So among those that have made the cut, he uh, is at, uh, I guess, the worst score, plus 12. But there are others that could fall uh, farther back than him. But from what you saw from Tiger today, just physically, how does he look? He and. We're thinking he's committing to play tomorrow, but it wasn't a hundred percent either from his comments afterwards. Yeah, he, he abstained from meeting with the media afterwards, but didn't sound too too excited about playing tomorrow. From what they said, but you know, this is he had a bad stretch about six eight holes there. I think he played nine over and eight holes in the middle of the round, and then played one under the rest of the way to break eighty. And, and you could tell just the way his he has too much pride to shoot eighty in the in the tournament, no matter how poorly he's playing, he will. He will fight. I'd still be surprised if Tiger won't play tomorrow because he has pride and he would never want to quit. Um, so if he has to, if he's not going to play, it's, it's purely for physical reasons. I got to think he's a little discouraged. Like, you know, I think he, you know, the first day he was slightly encouraged and it's gotten second day. He had a really good day just to make the cut shooting under par. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm sure he's frustrated, but I, you know, he's a, he's got that warrior and he's the best player that ever was. I think he figures he might be able to find a way to play pretty good tomorrow and make it a lot more respectable. And, of course, Jeff, there are people listening that maybe only tune in if Tiger's playing. Like, that's the draw for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're seeing, obviously, Tiger not at his best right now. But physically, I mean, to think about what he came back from, I mean, it's it's an accomplishment in itself. But for those that are maybe casual golf fans that want to tune in and see Tiger do what he does, it it is probably a little disappointing because – you aren't seeing any sort of Tiger magical moments here this week at all, nor, you know, maybe should we even expect it right now just physically because of what he's had to overcome. But still, he's 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 still a must-watch. Even today when he struggled, just the composure and the, and the sheer will and determination and, and the way to find, you know, play under par the last couple of holes so you don't shoot 80. Um, that's kind of a, a bad barrier, upper, upper limit that good players never, ever want to shoot those scores. And, um it, you know, even then, when he doesn't have everything, just to watch how he goes about and competes, it still makes it enjoyable to watch him. PGA Pro Jeff Metis with us here. You can hear him every Saturday with myself and Kevin Sylvester on Tee to Green right here on WGR. All right, so let's kind of predict here maybe who are you thinking could come out with this on Sunday? Uh, we talked about Piera, and, you know, he'll obviously have a battle that maybe he's never seen before or felt before maybe having a lead going into a Sunday uh, right now he's got a three-shot lead on Zalatoris a five-shot lead on Thomas Bubba Watson and Abraham answer 
Um, how do you see tomorrow playing out in, amongst the group here? Who do you still think has the edge? Uh, you know, the one, uh, well, I think Pirata, I don't know how to say that, has the edge uh, because he has the five-shot lead. But, you know, looking at Thomas and Watson and answer all at five under par, those are those are gritty veterans of the PGA Tour. It's one thing to win on, on the Corn Ferry Tour. It's another thing on Sunday when these uh, the top players in the world are chasing you. Um, I think it's going to come from one of those three. I'm, I, I find it hard to imagine that that he's going to be able to hold on to that lead his first time in contention on the PGA Tour in a major with those guys chasing him. Five shots isn't a lot. You know, that's a birdie bogey somewhere, and it's within three, and then it's then the whole, it's a brand-new game all day tomorrow. Uh, and there's still a lot of golf to play today, and the conditions are difficult. So um, one bad swing and one big number, and this thing can go sideways for any of them. But I think one of those three um, in Thomas, Watson, or Answer are going to be our victors tomorrow. Okay. And, Jeff, it's been uh, you talk with you know PGA professionals and those that run the PGA of America all across the country. I know in your circles, it's been now about a handful of years since the PGA has moved to May. Well, actually, I should say I think this is the fourth year. Uh, Beth Page, I think in, in nineteen was the first year, but at least four years. It'll be in Rochester next year. So, what about the move from August to May on the calendar as? Now that you've had a few years to kind of really take it in, do you think it was the right move for the PGA of America to do that? Well, I, I, I know the PGA of America thinks it was the right move because uh, they, they're going to keep it there and they're happy with it there and they've, they've done well. And it, and it does well for the golf calendar having basically a major or a major type event once a month. And then they don't have to compete against the, you know, the end of the tours, end of season or uh, the NFL. So I think all those things are positive. Um, you know, people were worried that because we're in the Northeast in the middle or end of May, we, you know, maybe it's not the best. Uh, like they said, I think it's 49 degrees in Tulsa, Oklahoma today, and it was 86 at Oak Hill this morning. So, um, you know, weather's weather, and you can have it anywhere you play the event. And I don't think it'll rule out these these clubs, these great old clubs and facilities like Oak Hill in the Northeast. And, um, you know, I think it's it's been a strong move for the PGA. Yeah, I guess if you had the weather this week, Next year, we'd sign up for that, right? I mean, it was that, that was a, a, all concern when it was moved to May of, uh-oh, are we going to lose the Northeast courses with the weather question mark? But, man, if we get the weather we did this week, they, I think we'd sign up for it. Yeah, and most of the time, the, the historical average for the weather this time of year is, you know, not awesome, but certainly good for golf. And it's plenty good to have good golf course conditions, and Oak Hill has every available resource in the world to make sure it'll be in, in prime condition. That's one of the least of my concerns. Weather is just the luck of the draw. Yeah. And, Jeff, for, the, for those fans that went previously or maybe have been fortunate to, uh, to go to Oak Hill to play at some point, uh, if you haven't been there in the last year or two, they've, they've undergone some course changes that people will get a chance to see. Quite a bit of course changes, quite a bit of tree removal, changes of some holes and, and major changes to holes. Um, I haven't had a chance to get out there and play it since they've made the changes, but I've talked to a lot of people I have, and they say it's completely outstanding, and I know the staff and the, and the head professional, everybody that's associated with that facility is really excited about it. And, you know, it's, it'll, be, it'll be, as it always is, it's a, it's a great venue for major championship golf. That's why the majors just keep coming back to Oak Hill time and time again. That's right. Well, Jeff, uh, Ryan has an hour. Just uh, took our tee to green slush fund that we always do. He, uh, he placed our wager, so I'll be sending you the picture so you know what to root for. So look for that. All right, I will be watching and hoping 
and hoping. That's right. We we uh, we seem to be uh, always on the wrong side of these, but maybe this will be this will be our time here today. Yeah, and we're we're the dark horse, like uh, Pet Ad today. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Good good, yeah. uh, good 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 parallel there, Jeff. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, and uh, I'll see you next Saturday for T to Green. I'm looking forward to it, Brian. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Jeff Bedis, PGA Pro. You can hear him every Saturday, part of our T to Green show, 7 a.m. Myself, Jeff, Kevin Sylvester. Uh, we were at Niagara Frontier Golf Club up in, in uh, Youngstown today. We'll be at Springville Country Club next week. They are having their 100th year of golf at Springville. So uh, we'll be there next Saturday from 7 to 8. The following week we'll be uh, up at Niagara Falls Country Club, the Women's Porter Cup. We'll be uh, up and going, so we'll be previewing that. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. We get to go around western New York to a lot of great places and great courses involving golf and uh, talk a lot of golf with some great people. So I hope you can tune in every Saturday. If you want to hear today's show, if you missed it from this morning, uh, you can go to WGR550.com, go to the on-demand audio section, and uh, click on T to Green. We've got our shows there from uh, each and every course that we've been at since we started the show back in February. All right, time out here. When we come back... Don Hoover, the GM of Live Racing here at Batavia Downs, going to give you his thoughts on today's Preakness Stakes, the 147th running. Post time is just after 7 o'clock on NBC, and uh, we're still with you here till 5 with our Preakness show. So come on down to Batavia Downs and uh, say hello. They've got the tacos and tequila party starting at 5 o'clock. $20 gets you in. You get to sample the tacos. You get to sample the tequila and uh, you get a $5 wager onto the Preakness. You get a free program. You get a swag item as well as uh, we roll on uh, from Batavia Downs. Time out. We'll be back with Don and his picks when we return after this on WGR. Welcome back inside Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. We're at 34 Rush. Brian Colzio with you. It is 431, and we appreciate you being with us here on a Saturday, hope you've enjoyed our Preakness coverage. We've been with you here since 2 p.m. And a reminder, they've got their Preakness party coming on starting at 5, Tacos and Tequila. Uh, there's still a few tickets available. You can get access to various tequila samplings and uh, head on up and sample at the taco bar. They also get you a $20 in free play, a $5 wager on the Preakness, and a free Preakness program and swag item as well. Those tickets, again, $40 uh, if you want to check out the information on it. BataviaConcerts.com uh, is the website. Or you can just show on up here. I think uh, they still got a few spots for some room. And with us now, Don Hoover, the general manager of Live Racing. Don, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brian. It's a pleasure to be on air with you once again. Same here. That tacos and tequila sounds fun. It definitely does <laughs> sound fun. I'm, after I get off the air, I'm going to go down and check it out and see how it's doing down there. There will be a couple of live tellers down there and, of course, self-bet machines available. And you said there still may be room, so if people want to come in even right now, they could probably get in. Uh, when I checked a few minutes ago, there was a limited amount of space yet, but, uh, but, but there's room, yes. Excellent. All right, well, before uh, we brought you on, obviously – Give you give us your insights on the Preakness today, but how about just a thought on the Derby? Uh, Rich Strike in in our lifetime, the biggest long shot ever at eighty to one to win. Uh, who saw that coming? Obviously, not many. Uh, that, that, <laughs> well, you're right there. That was a 
really, really exciting race. They sped the first quarter in 21.78, which was a record quarter time for an especially fast for a mile and a quarter race. That kind of set it up for a closer, and Sonny Leone stayed on the rail the whole way with Rich Strike and just at the very end weaved between two horses and got up in the shadow of the wire and beat my pick, Epicenter. Epicenter ran a great race, but he got beat. Yeah, that overhead shot that I saw on the replays, just how it was like the perfect lane and back and forth <laughs> for Rich Strike. Yeah. I mean, that... That video will be played over and over in Derby history forever. Yeah, that was amazing because the one horse that was on the rail started to come out a little, and the other one was coming in, and he got his horse, Rich Strike, right between them just in the nick of time, uh, another second or two, and he probably wouldn't have had room to get through there. But it was really, really something to watch. Yeah. Ryan had talked to Ryan Hasenauer earlier had talked about maybe some of the reasons of why they wouldn't race Rich Strike today, but... You know, for, for a person that works in the horse racing industry, I know there's got to be disappointment that he's not there today. Well, yeah, there's always, you know, buzz for a triple crown winner. Uh, people like to see the derby horse come back and compete in the Preakness. And then especially if he wins the Preakness, the buzz gets bigger for the Belmont. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think the connections thought uh, two weeks might be too quick to wheel him back. And I think that, you know, they didn't think that there might be the same setup that they got in the Derby that they would get in the Preakness with only nine horses running as, as opposed to 20 where, you know, almost anything can happen. Yeah, and, and let's face it, the expectations of what Rich Strike did at the Derby was not there going in. So, I mean, I'm not saying I want to think what an owner might think, but you might think, look, we struck at gold when maybe we didn't think we were going to. Maybe running right away could mess up the image and, and the worth, which obviously is a piece of, of, of the pie here. There's a business here to run. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the <laughs> head there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it, and they were obviously shocked by the result. One of the connections fell to his knees in the paddock and had to be held back up when it was apparent <laughs> he was going to win. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, they put their heads together, and I think they tried to decide what was best for the horse. And like you just stated, best for them business-wise. Also, you know, probably we'll, we'll never know that for sure. But Yeah, I mean, if Rich Strike goes out today, let's say he is racing and there's a 10-horse field and they finish 8th or ninth, like, the uh, the Hollywood story doesn't have as great of a script, I guess, right? right? Yeah, right, and it probably diminishes his value a little, and for sure takes a little, you know, shine off the pumpkin there. That's right. All right. Well, from the disappointment that Rich Strike not racing, there are still some very good horses racing today, including Epicenter, as you said. Um, that horse was a few strides away from winning. Uh, how do, is Epicenter in terms of the betting favorite right now? Is the favorite? Uh, what do you see from Epicenter factoring in today in the race? Well, I think Epicenter is obviously the horse to beat. <clears throat> uh, he's going to go off at short odds, and I, I, I picked against him. I went with the five early voting. He skipped the Derby because he was afraid of the preponderance of early speed, and it was probably a smart move on his part. And he did a bullet workout last Friday at Belmont. Trainer Chad Brown's got him on his toes for this race. He's got regular rider Jose Ortiz, and 
I give him a slim edge and a minor upset. Uh, but Epicenter is ultra consistent. He really did everything he had to do in the Derby but win. And uh, you'd be foolish to leave him off your tickets. Yeah. So, But I, I did go with five as a minor upset in the race. All right, so early voting is your pick. Jose Ortiz, the jockey. Again, not uh, that much farther off in terms of the odds from Epicenter, but what, what do you see in early voting as the reason maybe why you think he'll end up coming out on top? Well, because I think that there isn't quite as much speed. It's a 16th of a mile shorter race to begin with. There's not quite as much early speed on paper anyway, and he likes to be on the lead. And I think he'll be the horse to catch and beat in the race. Uh, And the fact that there's only nine horses works in his favor. The five post is a perfect post for a horse that wants to get out of there. Um, I've just, you know, like I said, I'm going out on a little limb and trying to beat the favorite. But I think that the race should set up favorably for him. Does the... the, um the slot in terms of where you're starting the race matter when there's only nine as much well, maybe it doesn't matter as much as it did yeah. in the derby uh someplace in the middle i mean in the derby someplace in the middle is perfect right. for those horses like eight through 12 so, so here today, in the middle again and nine, yeah. yeah but epicenter has the eight which eight hole in a nine horse field is at you know, there's no disadvantage to that either so uh simplification my third choice on the rail the rail is typically not the best place to be in a thoroughbred race um but he does show a little early speed i think he'll get away in mid-pack and i definitely wouldn't leave him off exactors or triples or superfectas he's got johnny velasquez who's picked up the mount since jose ortiz chose to ride number five early voting he Finished a credible fourth in the Derby. He was wide basically the whole mile, seven wide turning for home, so he lost a ton of ground. And uh, six to one morning line is, you know, that's that's a really good price. So. Yeah. Well, I think people may also say, look, I want to try a long shot. That, was, that would have been fun had I had rich strike. So is there a horse... That could fit that bill today. Is there, is there is there a name you want to throw out there for folks that want to bet a long shot? Well, the horse I would use as a long shot is ten to one morning line. Creative Minister. Uh, he comes in. He's raced three times. His first start was a second. He comes off two wins in a row. He's scoring from the post two, but he's never faced these kind of horses before. His last race was an easy allowance victory. At Churchill Downs, um, he comes in pretty fresh, also, and he's been on every race. His speed figures have improved, so if that trend continued, he could possibly upset the apple cart. And like I said, he's ten to one morning line, so that would be the long shot that I would use. Okay, so five eight one four, the uh, the official superfecta pick, and you like early voting to win. Yep. Okay, Don Hoover the. General Manager of Live Racing here at Batavia Downs. Don, thank you so much. I know you're busy today, but thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Uh, Thank you, Brian. Okay. Time out here from Batavia Downs. We'll uh, wrap up the show when we return after this on WGR.
446, final segment of our Preakness show here live inside 34 Rush, Tavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Brian Colzio with you. Big thanks to Don Hoover, the GM of Live Racing, with his picks. Last segment, he likes early voting to win. He's got the Superfecta picked as 5814, if you want to go with that. But he says uh, he likes early voting to get it done. That's the five horse under... Jose Ortiz, the jockey. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan has an hour back. One final time here. Okay, Ryan, we get you your picks in here now. Let's get them in. All right. Well, I, I'm going to do something very similar to Don. I do like the eight and the four and the five. What I'm going to do is a fifty cent super with an eight four five in the first three spots. So that's eight four five, eight four five, eight four five over everybody. <laughs> um, so that's three times two times one times seven. Um, or excuse me, six. So it's it's not a it's less than twenty bucks. It's not a huge bet for you. Um, nothing crazy there. But if, if basically those three favorites come in, you know, I feel like Secret Oath and you know Epicenter are going to be doing for a bit. But like uh, Don really likes early voting to win. You know, he's coming with a lot of rest, and if he is able to beat out those guys and, and those three horses are up on top, maybe you get a long shot coming in like Fenwick that uh, somehow holds on or. Maybe one of these closures comes in and hits the board at fourth, and if that happens, uh, you're still going to get a nice payday. So um, it did come in chalk, I believe, the last two races at uh, Pimlico, and they're in the 11th race now, six minutes to post for race 11. The, the uh, Preakness does go off at 7.01 on NBC, and it is the 13th race. you got plenty of time, Brian. I mean, it's not even 5 o'clock yet, so you got more than two hours to make your bets uh, to get in here for our big Preakness event. Okay. Where can they make their, wake their bets? Coming here and elsewhere. Yes, two hours ago. Be sure to visit BataviaBets.com if you need to make your wager online. If you're out and about, just check out WesternOTB.com slash locations to find the branch or easy bet nearest you. you got plenty of time. You can still come see me here at the Tacos and Tequila Festival and uh, you know enjoy some tequila while you get ready to make your wager here. Yeah, still a few tickets left. Again, that runs from 5 till 7 through the race, mm-hmm. and uh, you get a lot of good stuff beyond just the tacos and tequila as well. Yeah, you get the free play. You get the taco bar. You get the access to the tequila. You're going to give you a taco holder, and you're going to get a free Preakness bet along with a free program. So it's really worth that 40 bucks. Uh, there are designated driver tickets as well. If you're driving people out here and you're not going to be drinking, we're uh, happy to give you a cheaper ticket. So, And I'll throw it in, even though Ryan didn't say it. He'll give you a free selfie of with him yes. in your horse racing suit. That looks great today. Thank you. No charge. No charge. For friends at WGR, no charge for a selfie. That's I'll right. be out in 40 minutes. Oh, TJ's coming out. Right. Ryan, thank you so much. I know you got to go get the party started. Yes. Thank Appreciate you so much, Brian. Appreciate we'll it. We'll see you here in a few weeks for the Belmont. Sounds good. All right. Ryan has an hour. Batavia Downs and gaming. TJ, yes. Uh, Ryan, well-dressed here today. I, I know You saw the picture, right, of him with this, the salmon pink pinstripe suit with uh with the horses all over it. i love it and i was talking to ryan a little bit off the air here about uh what 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 he was prepping for the the third race of the season because i know if if somebody can prep two suits like that because he had a really nice one for the kentucky derby i know he's got something big planned for race number three he says he has a suit ready so yes he he, he does even, have it he even told me the color so Ooh, i'm not yes. going to give it away i i, I want it to be ryan's surprise he it trusted good... me with that, but I think it's going to be a good color. <laughs> it is a good. It is uh It is good. He showed me the picture of it as well, so it'll be good. We'll 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 tweet it out like we always do. Good. Um. Bef- next, uh, which we'll see. I'll be back here June 11th. They're having a bourbon fest. For, oh wow! Uh, for the Belmont. Look so at that'll you. be fun. At uh, at uh, Batavia Downs here. Yes. Oh, Batavia very Downs nice. For, okay. For the Belmont. Okay. All right, TJ. I'll ask you this question because that's this was kind of my topic for the first hour. So. Of course, Rich Strike 
in our lifetime, the biggest long shot winner ever at the Kentucky Derby, second biggest ever in the history of the event. So I was kind of going with long shots in big stages. And oh, I, yeah. set, I settled on the, the Miracle on Ice moment of the U.S. team upsetting the USSR Soviet Union team. Um, but I threw out some others, and I, I just want to see if you like one more than the other or if, you, if, if I'm missing one that you thought of. I said, for you know, sticking with hockey, I said, I think Miracle on Ice is always going to be the first, you know, upset on a big stage. Um, I said, it, professionally, Vegas... Had they actually won the cup the year they lost to the Capitals in that expansion year? I mean, to be an expansion team and to win the Stanley Cup, I mean, that's pretty long shot odds. I know that's over the course of a season. It's not a single game, but. I wonder what those odds were like in their, in their, they had five, I just pulled it up. They had 500 to one odds in 2018. That was their first season, right? Yeah. They were 500 to one. It's before pretty, it's pretty in preseason. Preseason. Yeah. In preseason. In preseason. All right, now here's some of my others. Okay. So I went to football. I had the Jets in Super Bowl three. The AFL, you know, still wasn't respected. They were a 17 point underdog. Joe Namath does the guarantee. They upset the Colts. And the only other football one I had, Super Bowl again, the Patriots undefeated. This was more recently, and of course the Giants stopped that with that upset win there. So I had those those two Super Bowls. Okay. Um College basketball, I had a couple here. I had, remember back in 2018, the first ever 16 beats a one? Yep. UMBC beat number one Virginia. Virginia went on to win the national title the following year. This year, St. Peter's, a 15 seed, goes as far as a 15 ever did. So that was, you know, in terms of maybe more games. They went to the Elite Eight. Uh, the title game, I know a lot of people love the NC State story in 1983. Jimmy Valvano's team upsetting Houston, which had Olajuwon and Drexler on it. You know, there was a 30 for 30 on that, which is a pretty good one. So those are my basketball ones. Um, for soccer, how about Leicester City in 2015? I, I, just, had winning that the pulled, Premier League. I just had that pulled up as yeah. thinking that you might not mention that one because that immediately, in terms of long shot wins, that's the first thing I think of these days. Is that... that I mean, odds for that had to have been astronomical as well. Do you want me to read to win the Premier League? Do you want me to yeah, read the odds? I have them yeah. in front of me. They were <laughs> five thousand to one with bookmakers to win oh the my. division before the season kicked off in twenty fifteen sixteen. Now that's amazing. And I mean, for some context for the Premier League, like prior to that, like seven teams had won it or not. I don't have the exact number, but, like, there's a big six that, like, pretty much always win stuff. And then there's other teams that might win stuff. So, like, Leicester isn't even a, a team for the might win stuff. They're not even a team for the field. They're, they're probably more of a, a betting team for relegation at that point of where they are. I mean, at 5,001 odds, it's absolutely where they were being bet, probably, is <laughs> to be relegated. Yeah. So, I mean, to... Get those types of odds are and, and win the league is pretty amazing. I would agree. And that's just, I mean, uh, an upset in sports, you know, like for this horse to win at 80 to 1. I mean, okay, that's one race, but. That's 38 games in, in the Premier Leicester League. City, that's an entire seat. That's why I said the Vegas thing to me, like I don't want to sell that short. If they If they win the cup over the Capitals that year, 
that's an expansion team's first season. Not only do they, you know, make the playoffs, but they win their division. Then they go through three rounds, get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, I mean, they're two games away. I think they lost in six to Washington, or maybe five, six, five or six. I think six anyway, is right. Yeah, they're very close to to having an expansion team win the title in their first year. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive stuff there. We've been close uh, a couple times on that. I think the Panthers were in there. No, were they? They were in a few years after their expansion year. Yeah. But I don't. It wasn't their first first year. Right, right. right. They were close though. Yeah. In which I've been thinking about these playoffs. It would be really fun to have Florida and Colorado meet in the final. That's Just right, for a rematch of that series back in 96. That was, yeah. I'll, I'll say that, that was, they weren't an expansion franchise, but they did, they had just moved from Quebec to Colorado, and then they won in Colorado their first season there. That's How do you right. like that? Well, odds, Flor- odds for that, Florida, I imagine, are, are a lot Florida's lower. got a big hurdle to get themselves. They're down 0-2 already, oh, yeah. losing the first two at home. I, it doesn't seem likely, but no, that would be, that would be great. Would. I, Florida, Colorado, to me, is the most entertaining final possibility out of all the combinations. It's probably, if you uh, ask the odds makers, uh, well, before uh, all the playoffs started, that probably was the, the top series anybody picked to yeah. make it to the final. Two one seeds, yep. Yeah. All right, TJ, I think we got to go. Thank you very much for your work producing back there in our studios. You Thank and you. Zach today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks to uh, everybody here at Batavia Downs Gaming. Ryan has an hour, of course, who joined me throughout the show. Don Hoover, the GM. Uh, for our guests, Paul Hamilton and Jeff Minas, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, thank you for listening. I'm Brian Colziel. Hope you enjoyed our Preakness show. I'll be with you back three weeks from now here from Batavia Downs for the final leg of the Triple Crown, uh, which is the Belmont. But uh, for with that, enjoy the race today. Enjoy the rest of your sports weekend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, no matter what you're doing. And uh, we'll talk to you next time right here on WGR. <laughs>